0: The defense and aerospace industry is in the midst of a seismic shift. Andro makes technology that we use to track drug trafficking, human trafficking, arms and cash smuggling in both directions going across the border. In just two short years, the funding that has gone into startups within the aerospace and defense sector has quadrupled. It's called the T-Radar Pro, and it's used to monitor and defend against small drones that could pose a threat to Taiwan. Over $6 billion was raised from Silicon Valley investors in 2021, up from $1.7 billion in 2019. But why dive into this tough-to-crack industry with high-cost barriers and immense regulatory hurdles? Former Google CEO and Alphabet chairman Eric Schmidt chairs the Defense Department's Innovation Board and has been working on guidelines for the military's use of artificial intelligence. Well, not only is technology making massive strides, especially with AI, But there's also a glaring gap in the market for building products and processes that are faster, cheaper, and more efficient. Artificial intelligent programs for scanning millions of aerial images to detect changes in activities. Maritime drones for patrolling remote coastlines.
1: The nature of AI is is a long-term technology that will be useful
0: for defensive and perhaps offensive purposes as well. So today on Things of Change, we talk about the change taking place in the defense ecosystem and the sudden flurry of activity as tech sets its sights on conquering another trillion-dollar industry. I think it is concerning that we are seeing an ever-closer relationship between the world's most powerful military and the tech industry.
1: If you had known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data—things have
0: changed. We're here to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikar. Welcome to "Things Have Changed," your new economics and technology podcast. So we know that tech has disrupted so many industries over the last 20 years. I was looking up a stat that newspapers, growing up, all we had was newspapers. In 20 short years, they have disappeared more or less. Between 2000 and 2006, Craigslist, just Craigslist, cost the newspaper industry $6 billion. Wow. Just the ads, the ads that newspapers always had that moved online. And imagine losing that much revenue in such a short period. Uh, I just mentioned newspapers. You have restaurants. I mean, everyone's now ordering through DoorDash and Uber Eats and stuff. Media being another one where we're just seeing systemic decline in cable, cable TV. It's all streaming now. Hotels, Airbnbs, recruitment commerce travel like you can just name humongous industries back in the day and it has completely changed now disruption travel agents were the only way you could travel they booked their, your flight and your tour and how many times have you interacted with a travel agent recently Jit? none that's that's not the way the right. world works anymore man <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's one of those things where technology is causing such a huge change in all these traditional industries. And now their sights are on the big one, defense.
1: Uncle Sam.
0: It's a humongous business with AI, with drones. We are seeing some incredible technology coming through where companies are like, hang on, the government can be my consumer.
1: This industry, the defense industry that we're talking about is one that it's riddled with so many things that are so different. From the traditional tech companies that you have today as well. Like, one thing that a lot of industry experts look into the military industry for is procurement. It's got like one of the craziest kind of procurement cycles that you would have in an industry. Like, really, the basics of transactions that happen in the defense industry is this method called cost plus methodology. The cost of your materials plus a certain
0: margin, right? So quite a simple cost plus. That's where it's at, dude. (laughs) It's incredible. And everyone knows about that. If you are a contractor to the government, you make a lot of money. It's just one of those things where, and defense contractors in essence have done so well. In comparison to the S&P, it's in- incredible. Their revenues are literally up and to the right. And why is that? Why? How did they get this massive, this profitable? Um, and it comes down to series of consolidation, mergers and acquisitions that have taken place in the industry. So somewhere around the 90s, there was a lot of competition within the defense and aerospace industry catering to the government. Right. And post that, what was like 30 to 40 companies, contractors building for the government consolidated to just five to six fewer competitors.
1: Yeah, dude. Very interesting. That entire kind of consolidation period in the 90s for them is basically driven by the end of the Cold War. That pretty much was around that period, right? So militaries needed to contract for a little bit because there was going to be less spending on defense. Little did they know. Interesting time because a lot of companies that were solely like completely military focused, all of a sudden had a commercial component. Like you look at Boeing, where they have commercial services, they also have military. And this is kind of the trend that a lot of this consolidation brought as well. It's like, Now they have two arms to consider, the commercial customers, then you have the governments, solely some, the US government. So really interesting shift, but also it meant less competition. They're under the same leadership structures now, where their incentives may be completely different. We just had an intro into the cost plus methodology and how that works. There may be some wrong incentives in the approach of the cost plus methodology and just made it easier in that regard, but still this consolidation made that a lot easier to misalign incentives between commercial versus government. So I thought it was a really interesting kind of shift in the industry. And now lo and behold, what a massive industry.
0: So Lockheed Martin, that is Lockheed and Martin Marietta, Boeing and McDonnell Douglas, Raytheon and United Technologies. L3 Harris was L3 Technologies and Harris Corporation. Then you have General Dynamics. Then you have Northrop Grumman. It's just these big players. Several concerns and criticisms that come with consolidation, not just in defense, but in other industries as well. Because what tends to happen is now you mentioned, Jed, the cost plus, the two words that contractors love to hear, right? Cost plus is basically, there's no ceiling on the costs. The incentives are a bit wrong. And what do I mean by that? Where in this case, you might actually make more money by making sure it takes longer to produce. When you get a contractor to your home building a deck, he quotes you for five days of work. But it takes 10 days. He's going to still charge you that hourly rate. So these cost overruns happen all the time. And what tends to happen is there's this mindset that, hey, th- there's no real need to be super efficient with the process. And so you have this certain gap, which now the VCs and the startups and the founders are really eyeing because they look at that gap and think, hey, hang on, maybe we can produce this, this product. We can create a system. We can sell software to the government using our tech principles, their margin is our opportunity, a very important phrase within tech.
1: Yeah, we talk about consolidation, and we can't really graze over the fact that tech is one of those industries that has also had this kind of rapid consolidation that has led to the same issues with market competition. But just to recap on why this is such an interesting proposition for tech to come into is because this blank check that defense companies typically have access to. Imagine a contractor coming to your home and just you just saying, Look, whatever it takes, however much it takes, and you can add a margin on that. Those were the terms.
0: You ask yeah. the contractor, I want something to sit on. And instead of <laughs> making it, making a stool with three legs, they make, I don't know, an Eames out uh, reclining chair yeah. with. Uh, a beer cooler inside of it, all of that extra Literally. stuff. Yeah, Everything. that's kind of how it is. Yeah,
1: Highly custom, something that doesn't come from industry so that it's Seed more warmers,
0: expensive. all you of know, that.
1: All the woodworks right, that you typically get, which is crazy. I think we need to acknowledge how crazy that model is that has caused all this kind of misaligned incentives. So that was one of the biggest things. So recently, the Pentagon, I think it was, Two years ago, they released some kind of strategic initiatives document, kind of announcement of how they're going to treat this entire defense spending more responsibly and look for more cost-efficient ways to be able to do projects, right? They're introducing the concept of actually saving money. So now tech is very interested in that kind of mind shift, right? Because now there's a game for the margin, which tech is amazing at. Right? Optimizing those margins, which these national, these really large defense companies are not used to. They're slowly adapting, but they're not used to this kind of new model that the Pentagon kind of wants to go. I keep mentioning the Pentagon. Department of Defense is pretty much where all these defense companies get the revenue from. That's why I mention them, and that's why they're such a huge player. Now, with companies like Boeing, who have like a commercial aspect of it, obviously there's different implications from the commercial customers but still a large part of the customers of these companies are governments, right? Or the Department of Defense solely. So really interesting shift in, in what's happening here. And because of kind of this new approach to it, the Pentagon has had to accept having not just military customers as their base. There may be some things that are used in the commercial aspects as you would use in military aspects. That's an interesting kind of shift that the industry is transforming into it's no longer just military
0: these tech companies are valued so high right so they are valued based on their future earnings potential so they are always in the search for greater revenues through the pandemic you saw all these tech companies trying to get into the industry of healthcare amazon get into the pharmacy games you've seen Cost plus drugs, Mark Cuban's initiative, they're all trying to tackle and get into the industry with humongous market sizes. So, healthcare is one and defense is another.
1: What do you think about this shift, dude? The shift that these large tech companies, as you mentioned, are starting to sign really big government deals. And some of the incumbents are having to be challenged on trying to sell their product against these massive companies with a huge balance sheet, right? What do you think about that shift? I think it's kind of good for the industry,
0: right? Yeah, I think the change that software has brought into the world, now you really need the cloud prowess. You need um, the AI prowess to actually be able to move the needle in many ways. So the shift, although it's new right now, you could kind of see it coming. There was this Pentagon deal where Amazon, Microsoft, Oracle, literally everyone is trying to get a portion of that because they want to service the government with the software that they already produce for other companies around the world, right? Why shouldn't they provide it to the government as well? Because from many articles, from a lot of research, we know that government systems are lacking on the software side on the ui side so there are so much improvements that can be brought into the system that isn't being leveraged think about it you go to the dmv and look at the process that you need to go through like i cannot get into their website like how's that possible we are on apps and online 24 hours of the day but i can't Figure out how to get an appointment on the DMV. To that, I would say I would love for there to be an easy way
1: to go through the DMV and renew my license or get a new ID card. I would love for that to happen. So I think I'm in favor of this shift. (laughs) These incumbents in this space have to find ways to make their margins a lot better. So We'll see. These companies are quite competitive and they've been in the industry long enough. I think one of the things that they have an advantage over these tech companies that are coming in is that they're familiar with how the government works. Yeah, They know the ins and outs. So they have, in that sense, first movers advantage into creating the rules around how you interact with the government, especially DoD contracts being so hard. How many cases did we see where AWS bought Microsoft for something or... Palantir or SpaceX had to fight the FAA for something or all these kind of litigation stuff that doesn't bode well for the new companies who are coming in. Recently, I want to point out, I was reading a, an Economist article that we'll link in the episode, but just in June of last year, Palantir signed this like small contractors hurdles pact to basically tell the government, hey, we need more help a small contractor is coming into the space. You need to make it easier for us to interact with you and compete with the other competitors in this space. So I thought that was just interesting because SpaceX and Palantir, we don't think about it as tiny companies, but they're claiming to be small contractors of the government, which is still interesting because if you do make that easier, maybe the competition gets hotter and we get some better products that service both our governments and commercially. So that will feed the innovation engine that is tech as well. So really excited for the shift, honestly.
0: If SpaceX had not taken the risk of building and designing reusable rockets, we might have never seen that technology because inherently they were able to risk for such a program. There was this conversation with a director from NASA and they already had plans for such things Within NASA and Boeing, and but they could not risk failing, and that's where the tech companies and the innovative startups come through because they are willing to risk because you have VCs backing them to take risks. It's that culture of fail fast and move right. So SpaceX, how many rockets actually exploded mid-air before they were able to send a drone, send a rocket, and then it comes back and lands, not just on land but also on the sea like they were doing they're doing some incredible things they're also sending military payloads now to space it's what you get out of continuous improvement and continuous efficiency gains
1: exactly yeah and you mentioned the spacex thing my man elon almost lost it all to the success of spacex and its reusable rockets spending all his money. On this one effort to change the industry. Maybe a little bit of that needs to to come to the defense industry to see these kind of really interesting, huge risks taken by private companies that could maybe change the pace of how we do defense for the good or or for the worse. But definitely the efficiency coming out of the markets like tech can also be translated into industries like defense.
0: Jed, I was actually reading how 90% of satellites prior to SpaceX was just from three companies. So it's really cool that now you have new entrants. For anyone who does not know, Jed works at Kuiper, Project Kuiper, which is Amazon's division for satellites, where they plan to send satellites as well. So this is really cool. And it's important to have multiple players in any industry trying to improve and make things better. So yeah, this is a massive industry. Everyone knows about it. But it's not really been in the public eye for a long time. And it hasn't been something that tech has really leaned into. But just the progress that we're seeing with artificial intelligence and how it's impacting our lives today with ChatGPT and MidJourney Dali. Like you can give it prompts, you can ask it to code, you can ask it to do presentations now. It can do video editing. It's giving you an entire trailer or, in many instances, five-minute short clips. Like, it's doing incredible things. So, the question comes, at what point now will this enter into the defense space? And so, that is happening right now. And next episode, actually, we will go through all these upcoming startups that are trying to tackle this challenge.
1: The information and opinions expressed in this episode are for informational purposes only and are not intended as financial, investment, or professional advice. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any decisions based on the content provided. Neither the podcast nor its creators are responsible for any actions taken as a result of listening to this episode.